The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the SaaS Universe podcast. Today, Joseph Abraham, founder and CEO of Startup Atom, has a one-on-one with Rahul Raj, founder and CEO of Flowbiz. Flowbiz is a neobank backed by renowned investors which utilizes mobile-first solutions and is a completely new way of doing business for small and medium enterprises with creative use of technology. Joseph walks through Rahul's entrepreneurial journey, starting from his IIT days to eventually becoming a seasoned entrepreneur and founding Flowbiz. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Hi Rahul, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today on our SaaS Founders Podcast and uh, so nice to have you. I mean, uh, very delighted to actually host somebody from a, from a place I grew up, you know, in, in, and uh, you refresh some amazing memories as well. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the journey that you've taken because... Uh, you know, usually people don't build neo banking for SMBs, and so it's it's interesting to know that you're building something like that. And uh, excited to know more about you. Thanks for joining in today. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I think uh, uh, you know what we are doing definitely is challenging, but uh, that is where we get our biggest kicks from. So I think I'm really excited about what we are doing also, and obviously thankful for the opportunity to speak with you, and uh, uh, you know at least get some assistance in uh, spreading that message. So, uh, you know, if you are trying to do good work, then uh, any assistance and help that can amplify that message is more than welcome. So glad to be here. Awesome, Rahul. So let's let's get started. And I want to go straight, you know, cut to the chase and understand and hear about the origin of of what you're doing with Flowbiz and how did it all start and, and, um, and who, what, what are you trying to build right now? So if you can just take us through that whole journey. Okay, I'll break that into two parts. What we are doing itself is a section and uh, how we got here is a section of its own. Uh, simple upbringing, uh, born and brought up in Patna, which is the capital of Bihar. We just discussed, we share our uh, uh, you know roots. Uh, born to a family where mom is a housewife and uh, dad is a senior retired banker uh, nice. who used to be a civil services aspirant himself before banking was something that he uh, continued to uh, you know, pursue and get deeper and deeper into. I always like science, uh, uh, you know, so studied in the first attempt for engineering exams, did not qualify JE. Second hmm. attempt, I did qualify JE and uh, fortunately landed at IIT Kharagpur, which was the oldest hmm. and the largest of the IIT system. And I also uh, got enrolled into a course, which was mathematics and computing. So quite a real quite a relevant uh, uh, stream that way. If you haven't been able to secure a rank that gets you a B.Tech or an M.Tech computer science degree in one of the IITs. So that's a really nice degree to also get attached to. Uh, Just the way everybody, at least in the eastern part and probably the entire middle class of the country thinks like, you've cracked JE, the expectation is to complete the course, land a high paying job. I come from a family where all of my relatives, including all of the uncles and aunts, uh, both on maternal and paternal side, they have all been either government servants or have been in uh, uh, the corporate industry, but with a stable job. So nobody has done any business in the network that I was part of. Fortunately for me, and quite interestingly, uh, in my first year, two things happened. One, 
some of my third year seniors from the hostel which it at it kgp we call halls of residence so uh, in my hall of residence some of the seniors that i was you know fortunate enough to be friendly with they were trying to set up and scale up at tech business and i was hired as the first intern so that was point 1 the second point was as extracurriculars go you interview with a bunch of societies in the college i uh, interviewed with a bunch of them but ultimately ended up at the entrepreneurship cell of iit kharagpur these two things actually opened my opened my world to gaining these technical skill sets which otherwise the society believes are going to be helpful in landing a high paying job but these are the same skill sets that otherwise a very tiny fraction of that population is leveraging to set up technology businesses so it just flipped all my preconceived notions it was also the time when i went to iit with uh, uh, you know a symbian phone and i saw right in front of me the entire explosion of android the deep market penetration and emergence of e-commerce uh, food delivery uh, social commerce or let's just say social media a bunch of these things began to happen right in front of my eyes which is what led me to set up kharagpur's first online food delivery business actually it was called zaika within the campus and then outside the campus all the eateries and restaurants with the largest educated population or tech savvy population that we had given that kharagpur is a really small town a lot of the customers actually resided within the campus and since it is a large it campus we are talking about roughly 10000 people there including all staff professors all students undergrad post grad and doctorate all of that so uh, set up the kharagpur uh, you know food delivery business raised some uh, grant money from ministry of msme as well but uh, ultimately could not uh, you know sustain that business even though we tried to pilot in hyderabad as part of our you know summer internship <laughs> so we skipped that actually went to hyderabad to build that but uh, by then you already had food panda zomato tiny owl swiggy uber eats ola foods and a bunch of regional players as well it was also quite clear that it's a very operations intensive business so me and my co-founder actually decided that uh, you know we'll continue to run this in kharagpur we'll also sit for placements and then wrap this up because this is not going anywhere so did that uh, got placed on day 1 i joined uh, uh, in shorts which is a news summary app based in noida uh, i spent about 3 months there but uh, uh, you know had to take an exit because that was a very specific industry with a very specific skill set and uh, i could not see too much of a long term career opportunity with uh, the organization so i quit and moved to bombay which is where my family was also there given that my dad was placed uh, as a location in the central office of union bank of india where he was working so he was also in bombay uh, my family was there i quit moved to bombay i joined this startup called bizongo which used to be a packaging pro packaging materials procurement marketplace uh, they had a network of suppliers who could sell you corrugated boxes bubble wraps and stuff like that and at the other end you have got buyers who are looking at procuring these packaging materials for their retail business or wholesale business and stuff like that so i joined the team as their first product manager this is where i met my co-founders aditya and rakesh aditya had been with bizongo for over a year before i joined and rakesh had joined about 2 3 months before i had joined aditya and rakesh also have had similar trajectories aditya is a bits pilani grad native of mumbai 
Rakesh is an IIT Delhi grad and a native of Jaipur. In fact, a village close to Jaipur. Uh, both of them have also had failed startup journeys of their own in the past before they joined Mongo. The three of us over lunch breaks, dinners and drinks began chatting about startups and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we kept a close tab on what was going on in the startup market. Coming uh, from similar backgrounds also in terms of engineering and product inclinations, our frequencies matched quite a bit. Uh, incidentally, also, the three of us had been following the Bitcoin and blockchain space since university. So uh, in December of 2016, we began to put in whatever little money we had saved into crypto assets and began trading. So uh, the exchanges were all available outside the country. There wasn't any exchange in India. You could get your hands on a Bitcoin or an Ether, but uh, uh, you know you could not really participate in ICOs or trade in uh, other altcoins that were getting uh, uh, minted and stuff like that. So after spending some time with the blockchain idea, you know, like spending some time in the ecosystem, we tried our hands on a couple of pet projects, participated in a couple of hackathons that were organized abroad, uh, uh, you know, and after trading with uh, some of these altcoins and ICOs and stuff like that, we identified that there is a massive opportunity, but a narrow window to set up something of that quality and caliber in India as well, because we are sure that there are communities out there looking at an alternative, but it just doesn't exist. We were already plugged into Telegram groups, WhatsApp groups, Facebook conversations and whatnot, where people were talking about the need for an exchange, but none to be found. So three of us quit our jobs in a span of 10 days or so. Another member from Bizongo, uh, you know, joined us. Four of us, uh, uh, you know, we put our blood, sweat, uh, heart and money and time and everything into uh, building an exchange that I'm proud of because we built everything from scratch. Every single line of code we wrote from scratch. We designed the entire interface from scratch and launched Coinex in August 2017, which became India's first open order book, multi-currency, fully KYC compliant exchange. In a span of just four to five months, we grew to become the largest. In December 2017, we were doing more than $265 million of daily trade volume. And uh, for some cryptocurrencies, you know, we were globally top five fiat to crypto exchanges. Uh, but that really didn't last long because in April 2018, the RBI came out with a directive that blocked all formal banking channels from dealing in crypto trades. So that resulted into notices, transactions getting blocked, accounts getting closed and stuff like that. So we pivoted to, uh, you know, peer-to-peer and crypto-to-crypto trading models, but ultimately identified that in absence of banking support, this business is not going to be that sustainable and lucrative. It really requires that banking support and infrastructure to build a, you know, legitimate uh, crypto trading platform and uh, a pure play exchange business. So, uh, you know, what we were left with was, you know, to measure trade-offs and look at what we could do next. Obviously, the default is to wind everything up, but we didn't want to do that given that we had assembled a rockstar team. We had some experience. We had some capital backing of our investors. So we contemplated whether we could take the exchange abroad and launch in some other market or build something else in the blockchain space. Toyed with those ideas for a couple of months, but then ultimately decided that we understand the India consumer best. We are you know, uh, connected, to our, to, connected to our roots to a large degree. And everybody else is looking at India as the hottest uh, uh, you know, economy to invest in or build products for. And here we are 
we are looking at opportunities elsewhere while opportunity actually exists within our homeland so what we did in the first 6 months of 2019 was to lay out the entire fintech landscape of the country the reason why we chose fintech is because given that we were working in the blockchain space and treating an alternative asset class we were already exposed to banking payment gateway the uh, translation of traditional financial products into crypto products and stuff like that so that inclination and appetite for fintech was there already because of our history with coinex as well and then the more you research the more you read and map the trends you see fintech is going uh, leaps and bounds and you are seeing all of these developments happen in the country that promotes the fintech ecosystem so it is quite interesting and we had laid some principles like it has to be a product first opportunity we must create a large delta with the technological innovation that we go out and build it has to have deep impact and it also has to be an opportunity large enough at least for the three founders and the core team that we could dedicate the next decade or so solving for this it need not be a fad it in fact must not be a fad so given all of these criteria points we laid out the fintech landscape assessed all opportunities consumer side b2b side enterprise side and then ultimately also looked at smb side and that is where we found the white space that we were most excited about so we decided to build for small businesses and uh, you know as part of our research we spoke with 1000 plus smb owners we spoke with bankers fintech consultants consumed as many reports as we could there were recurring themes of pain points that kept on coming up as our research also and there were staggering facts that actually uh, you know pushed us to think deeply about this we're talking about roughly one half of the entire economy being run by small businesses everybody is aware of these numbers like 30% plus gdp 40% plus export import activity 40% plus workforce employment all contributed by the small business segment and alongside you see that more than 80% of these small businesses are operating on pen and paper while they have already adopted to whatsapp and facebook why could business not be conducted in a similar fashion because on the consumer side digital transactions or uh, you know compliance or let's just say accessing tools and products and services they have all found a software alternative but on the business side none of that has transpired so that felt like the uh, white space that we could go after so we shut down the business in the summer of 2019 and pivoted to flowbiz we moved from bombay to bangalore retained about 85% of the team who traveled with us in an ambiguous environment because we didn't know what we are going to build but we are going to build in the smb space so that is how we came to set up flowbiz to be honest and this is not an accidental set of entrepreneurs identifying an opportunity because they faced a deep pain point it's not that kind of a story it is actually deep research and taking a step back to really assess what opportunity to go after and this and then consciously and experimentatively building for that opportunity so that's one half of the journey now i can take a pause and begin sharing what we are actually doing at flowbiz but you know would love your remark awesome so i mean um, good ral i mean I, i didn't want to break the flow because i think you're actually preempting all my questions which i'm happy i mean so i get to talk less but but, but it's it's nice ral so in short like what's what's flowbiz all about who is it for and what problem does it solve before we go on with the episode a quick word from our sponsors If you like what you're listening to in this episode then make sure to stop by at www.ubersaga.com to get your unique and amazing story shared to the world as a podcast. 
Yes, if you want your story to be made into a podcast, then we'll help you get up to speed on this. Visit us at www.ubersaga.com and reach out to us and we'll help you start your podcast journey. Now, back to the episode. What's Flow Biz all about? Who is it for? And what problem does it solve? Yeah. Uh I'll try to keep it short, but uh, uh you know, will require context no, no. at a please, place. Please. Yeah, feel free. Yeah. First context that I would like to give you here is that when we talk about small business, the most mm-hmm. common mistake that people make is that they paint the entire small business sector in one color. But we are talking about a very very wide spectrum. At one end you have got a hawker or a or a uh, you know chaiwala or a or a pan shop. And on the other end you are talking about manufacturing outfits that are generating hundreds of crores worth of operating revenue. This entire spectrum is small business, at least from the government definition. But obviously, a manufacturing output that is generating hundred crore plus of turnover versus a pan shop, these are just extremes, and one solution cannot cater to both of these extremes. So that's one context I wanted to bring about. The other context I wanted to bring about is. Uh, when you talk about small business the typical image that you have in your mind is your neighborhood grocery or kirana shop that's your smb at least from a visualized you know picture that people will generally have but just look around you everything is small business a salon is a small business a clinic is a small business a courier agency is a small business a restaurant is a small business the stores that you visit they are small business the garage that you get your auto parts repaired at that's a small business the tailoring shop that you go to that's a small business so if you look around you everything is small business and there are different slices and dices and cuts of this spectrum mm-hmm. so uh, when we began to think about this uh, uh, you know sector uh, we actually wanted to build tally on mobile that is what we began with uh, uh, at flow mm-hmm. the vision at flowbiz is to accelerate the growth of small and medium sized businesses with the help of technology and digitization that's the mission mm-hmm. that we are following now obviously this mission can have quite different objectives and actionables and manifestations because that's a very broad uh, mission statement to accelerate growth so uh, you know the pain points that i was talking about just a few minutes ago that that came up in our research the biggest one was access to capital by far everybody needs credit we are talking about roughly 600 to 650 billion dollars of credit gap that exists even today so it's a massive massive gap that people have when it comes to access to capital the second biggest problem was you know inefficient cash flow the moment you talk about tangible goods they are all part of supply chains and right from manufacturer up till retailer credit is involved only at the retailer end is where the consumer directly pays up front and purchases there also if you have a good relationship you may still be able to get some credit like bhaiya kal dunga so that kind of thing you can do which is very ultra short term credit also that can happen at the retail end but otherwise throughout the supply chain there is credit only at retail is where actual transaction happens up front so cash flow is a bigger problem here because you know you have procured stuff on credit you are supposed to pay back you are also selling on credit but if the customer doesn't pay you you have to dip into your savings to actually pay off and maintain the relationship with your supplier that severely impacts cash flow so cash flow was another big problem compliance was another big problem a dependence on accountants and paperwork was another big problem no visibility 
to any data because everything is segregated and on parchments and paper books was you know no reconciliation no clear visibility and stuff like that so we thought to solve for this let's build a tally on mobile product because tally is a, a you know by far the most popular accounting system but uh, after bit, spending some time there you know that did not work out and in fact people were asking us for a lightweight solution that they could conduct their uh, business operations with so we built our flagship product which is called my billbook in a nutshell my billbook is a very simple to use gst invoicing and accounting software and invoicing as a central hook you can automate inventory management payable receivable tracking business reporting compliance and uh, ledger updations and all of that and it's just a simple record keeping activity you are doing it anyway on a pen and paper if you just begin recording it on an interface that at least is comfortable and easy to digest and understand you have already solved half the problem so uh, uh, you know we built my billbook released the first version in january of 2020 and within 3 months the first lockdown happened so a large part of the growth also that we have seen in the business has actually been uh, during the pandemic itself but uh, uh, given that our product actually has found its sweet spot in terms of adoption and i can say that because you know we have seen some flavor of success on the uh, flowbiz business as well we find ourselves at a really really interesting uh, uh, you know juncture here in the business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about 70% of our audience is first timer so they are coming online for the first time from a previous behavior of a physical bill book or a physical red register or pieces of paper mm-hmm. coming online mm-hmm. for the first time about roughly 70% of our audience and mm-hmm. now we find ourselves at a at a unique you know uh, convergence of different kind of data points that mm-hmm. can form the foundation for a very different type of underwriting we now have visibility across the accounting data the financials the inventory the buyer and supplier profile the depth of their relationships uh, with predictive algorithms you can map different kinds of uh, uh, you know behavior patterns like you know how they manage arap how they actually keep their inventory how are they uh, treating the opportunities when it comes to lower margin products or higher margin products that they serve and how long the vintage of the business is how well do they use the product you can look at a variety of data points that can create the foundation for an alternative underwriting obviously mm-hmm. with full data security and privacy systems in place and on a fully anonymized basis but then you have that aggregate visibility and when you are able to match this up with algorithms and uh, actually uh, uh, you know plug in all of the traditional wisdom that exists in banking we fundamentally believe that we can actually do a better job at customer satisfaction when it comes to the bouquet of financial services that can work for the growth of these small businesses and trying to translate and replicate the insane adoption and openness that we have seen on the consumer front to also be presented in an easy to use interface that could help businesses also take that leap of faith for going digital so you know mm-hmm. we, we went with a software first approach we didn't go and begin selling a current account for example we went and sold software in fact it was a free software to be used and we began mm-hmm. our entire focus on distribution of the paid product only from uh, you know early last year mhm so uh, uh, rahul can you just repeat what you just shared this this last 5 uh, seconds because there's some kind of disturbance yeah 
Sure, sure, we'll do. So I was just saying that, you know, uh, we have seen insane adoption on the consumer front, right? You look at UPI, for example, uh, or look at Aadhaar. Uh, uh, the adoption is quite widespread. And we wanted to, at, because of the ease of those digital onboarding journeys, people find themselves comfortable to even express themselves digitally like that. But that same comfort hasn't been provided to the SMB segment. In fact, we believe that dedicated products, tools and services haven't been designed for this segment. So we wanted to actually bring that same level of delight when it comes to using software to typical SMB day-to-day business operations also. So we went software first. We didn't want to sell the current account immediately. We wanted to sell software. In fact, the product was free to use. We went mobile first, that to Android first. And then slowly and uh, uh, progressively kept on building with customer feedback. See, uh, one thing that I would like all the listeners to at least spend a moment on is that if you look at our journey, we are a 180 degree flip from building for a very, very tech savvy and futuristic audience, building for a completely democratized future via blockchain to Mm -hmm. a 180 degree flip where you are building for a very low tech savvy type of audience in a tier two town in India setting up small enterprises and small businesses, solving for traditional problems like access to capital in the traditional financial services setting. This is absolute opposite. Mm-hmm. So where in the Coinex business, you know, market was asking for everything and we were just building for our target audience that, you know, we ourselves were, to be honest, we were the trader that we were building it for. Here, it's a, it's a different approach altogether. The market up to a majority of 80% is not digital. The tech savviness and adoption is low. The openness for going digital is low. Cash dependency in transactions is high. And you are pushing a product to actually get them online for the first time and still gain their trust to be able to ultimately build a complete ecosystem for software, embedded banking and financial services that could all be contextualized for this uh, set of businesses. So it's a different approach and different business altogether. But I am very happy and proud of where we are today because now, as I said, we look through the amazing set of information that we capture and we can leverage that information to serve this SMB sector with contextualized banking products. And we will be able to bring banking to them rather than them running after banking and continuously hearing a no from the traditional guardians of capital. So we want to be able to, you know, bring banking to them and contextualize this to the actual stage the business at uh, uh, the business is at. So that's what we are effectively trying to do. Our understanding of the neo bank that we are trying to build at Flowbiz is to be able to create a complete ecosystem that is driven by a foundation of software layer, but then personalized and tailored banking and financial services that plugs directly into their day-to-day operations and banking comes to them rather than them Mm. going to banking. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I I loved uh, the use cases that we, we had discussed, you know, prior to, you know, us starting this whole recording, but um, very interesting question that I have is how did you get your first few customers? Like how did you adopt? And so of course the spectrum of SMB is across the spectrum, right? As you, as you just mentioned. So what's your sweet spot and how did you get, uh, you know, the, your first few customers, your early adopters. I am really glad that you asked this because I think there is a lot of literature and wisdom on PMF and uh, GTM and, uh, uh, you know, how you could continuously push the palpable band boundaries of where you 
are at today in your SaaS journey. Uh, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, the spectrum that I was talking about, this spectrum actually progressively became clear to us. We knew that there is a spectrum, but we didn't know where our sweet spot will ultimately end up being at. Obviously, uh, you know, the first version of the product is in most cases incomplete and uh, uh, in some cases even broken. But our set of customers actually came from uh, uh, digital marketing and uh, uh, you know, some small budget that you give, people are searching for some of these things, you begin identifying keyword search volume and stuff like that. You begin to tailor your message also appropriately. But we didn't know who is going to find the right, uh, uh, you know, use case or at least right value from a mobile first billing and accounting product. So we kept on doing digital marketing. We kept on trying different uh, messaging uh, types also. And uh, ultimately, and since within a couple of months, the lockdown also happened. So we were left with no other mm -hmm. option also. We had to only do digital marketing to acquire customers. So we kept on doing with small budgets, digital marketing here and there. The one thing that we accelerated during the lockdowns was uh, while we were re working remote, we accelerated product development and feedback cycles. So our feedback cycles got contracted to days. So, you know, every day product and uh, customer support teams and founders and uh, core team is listening to all kinds of customer feedback. And we are continuously speaking with the customers directly. And the problem is that people will expect 10 features. And uh, uh, you know, if one feature doesn't work, then the software itself becomes unusable because you can't do everything on one software. But for one feature, you have to go to a different software. So we began to see not like the product simply because they did not find everything so the only way to fix that was to continuously keep on acquiring the lowest common denominator of feature requests and accelerating development so we could begin to serve a bigger and wider audience so we kept on doing that and uh, by january of 2021 we were already at you know two to two and a half million registered smbs on the product that was a statistically significant cohort size to give us enough data points to you know pick and choose to actually make data driven calls by then we began to saw that gst registered segment is using the product the best we began to saw that uh, you know a large part of the people who are using the product are actually non retail uh, we began to see that there are some industry verticals where the product is finding its much better adoption compared to others we began to see that uh, there are some regional pockets where the product is being used much better compared to other pockets these data points once collected at a statistically significant cohort size began to give us a lot of direction. And since then, we began to focus extensively on distribution of the paid product because by then we had already done a couple of pricing experiments. So with the product was free and then we established the true sense of PMF when uh, we saw that people would pay. And when we saw that people would pay, we began to think about all of those uh, uh, GTM motions where we could begin to extract value. And if we have built something so valuable that otherwise in a market that goes with the myth that uh, uh, SMBs will not pay for software, we were able to carve out our niche to actually monetize on SaaS while the entire financial services story and the entire neo banking vision continues to be intact. But now after about and a half years of extensively working on distribution of our paid plans on my billbook, uh, we believe that there is a substantial business to be built on the India SMB segment purely from uh, uh, software. Awesome. Awesome. So um, in essence, 
let's talk a little bit about uh, raising your funds right so uh, the, because there's a, there's a pivot and uh, there were some funds and then again you know you you do something completely different so how do you go about raising this fund and uh, and was there a particular like is is how how does your cap table look i'm not going to get into details of your cap table but definitely uh, is it bloated is it is it like you know very very uh, lean how does it look like and uh, how do you go about raising raising your capital now for a quick word from our sponsors on march 23 2023 from across the world the best from the tech industry are gathering together in chennai india for an amazing event you imagine where industry leaders will speak on the latest in climate tech web 3.0 ar and vr ai and ml data science and all the latest tech trends making the rounds since our new normal now you can get a sneak peek into some of the speakers earlier by listening to their podcast on the you imagine podcast right here on your favorite player for more information visit www.youimaginechennai.com now back to the episode how does it look like and how do you go about raising raising your capital our most recent fundraise was uh, series b uh, you know which we did in a i mean which we did in september last year we raised 31 million dollars as part of the raise which was led by uh, sequoia india uh, in sequoia also the growth team led the round before that in uh, march of last year we had announced our series a which was led by elevation formerly saf partners and uh, uh, that was a 10 million series a it was led by uh, elevation capital we also count the early stage fund uh, in southeast asia called bnext as our earliest backer we also have greenox capital uh, which is a large fund based in the us uh, and we have another fund called uh, think investments which is also us based that participated in uh, our uh, uh, series b now obviously this ecosystem is small so introductions make you more introductions you meet one person they can open doors for two more people and stuff like that but i think uh, what we believe has worked in our fundraises at least from uh, you know we have now raised in total of 40 to 50 million dollars across coinex and uh, uh, flowbiz so in the last five years or so so uh, one of those things that i personally believe given that i interface with the investors a lot more compared to my co-founders the thing that i have seen work really well for us is the level of transparency and uh, the level of uh, uh, you know connectedness that you can exhibit when it comes to what you are building and who you are building it for so uh, you know actually i am very proud of the cap table that we have because the partners that we work with are uh, uh, you know fully supportive and we can have open dialogue on what is going wrong and right with the business and the reason we are able to do that is because both of us understand coming on the same table that we are solving for the best interest of the company and the product that we are building for and uh, you know the kind of customers we are looking to serve so that way if you are able to upfront and uh, uh, you know uh, communicate that these are some of the things that we believe are not working but these are things to be figured out help us Uh, uh, you know identify how to figure this out that automatically establishes great trust the other point that i mentioned was uh, connectedness and uh, uh, you know the ability to be able to articulate what we are doing there 
our customer first approach was something that uh, uh, you know all the investors and all our board members love a lot we anyway are a product team to be honest we have we have a super solid engineering and product team in fact uh, i believe that uh, you know some of the smartest people who are out there working in the startup ecosystem when it comes to product and engineering you would find uh, 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 you know at flowbiz so that's there that's already a skill set even my co-founders are really product heavy uh, you know i was a product manager myself we understand technology to a large degree and stuff like that so that's a skill set that we already have but building for this audience actually required doing away with your hypotheses and doing away with your biases in fact 70% of the hypotheses that you go to the smb sector with will get outdated or invalidated it it will be something entirely new so that iterative way of experimenting learning from the feedback and then being able to stay grounded and connected with the customer to be able to solve actually what they really are facing as a pain point that is going to be the only way to make this a successful venture because you can build a plethora of features and if nobody uses them even the technical complexity that you have been able to solve is practically zero value add totally makes sense totally so makes sense so that was i think something that worked with our fundraisers at least <laughs> awesome awesome so i'm going i'm going to get to uh, uh you know the rapid fire round which is like a very quick you know succession of questions now very simple thing is that we are far away but if you answer well i will ensure that i i'll send you a good gift hamper you know to bangalore you know so that you have that right but it depends on how you answer right so i'm going to go with the the first question um this is get, getting to know rahul better right as a person so the f- the first question is um is there a book or a show that you're reading or watching that uh, you feel that uh people who are uh, right now trying to venture out should should read or watch lots of them uh, if you ask me what i am reading right now there are uh, a set of books around saas sales financial oh, services okay. and stuff like that because nice. i i have practically speaking entertainment content consumption quantum has decreased significantly non fiction right. and business related stuff has taken precedence over everything else that i consume so that's there but if there is one book that uh, i would definitely recommend and this is irrespective of whether you are building in saas or no uh, mm-hmm. is going to be sapiens by uh, yuval noah harari that is a book that i believe everybody should read it's a brief history of human kind since you know uh, the darwinian evolution allowed us to be on two limbs and uh, to where modern cities exist today and how the future looks when we colonize mars it covers some of those tidbits throughout the journey but the beautiful thing about that book is is uh, uh, you know it tries to collect evidence and anecdotes to give you a glimpse of what it took to be uh, you know as a species a hunter gatherer species to be able to actually rule the entire planet and step our foot on moon like what what actually led what kind of events led to uh, uh, a a drastic journey like this and it also very well uh, throws light on what it means to exist in a society and why this was possible both of these things at least from uh, you know the way i gathered all of the insight from the book is actually something that you can apply from a first principles thinking to your business also the most fundamentals of human psychology the most fundamentals of why we exist 
the most fundamentals of uh you know who do you trust why do you trust and why are we in a setup like this to answer some of those pressing questions i think that that is going to be my take for the uh, listeners here awesome and is there a ceo that you're following or studying uh rahul uh i i won't say ceo i would say quite a bunch of leaders mm-hmm. uh that uh, uh, you know inspire a lot no, who's, uh, who's the top most on leaderboard for you <laughs> most on the leaderboard that's a tough question uh, i do i do admire a bunch of people so for example uh, you know some of the companies that we track uh, uh, you know in the us bill.com or stripe uh, or in the india context if you talk about you've got a razor pay or uh, you've got a mensa uh, uh, you know some of the leaders that we track there or really try to follow some of these leaders are our angel investors also so for example uh, you know uh, 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 Kunal Shah, who is leading Cred, uh, is one Red. of our angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Jiten, who is leading Jupiter, is one of our angels. Mm-hmm. Some of the leaders that I actually really, really look up to are our board members themselves. Uh, they are impeccable people. Uh, uh, you know, really deep thought, uh, a really good understanding of uh, uh, you know the the trade that they are into, the way this market works, and what it means to really create wealth and value. In fact, I would attribute uh, you know about. one half of how i do business to all of the insights and guidance that i have received over the years with uh, uh, you know and from our board members so that way really good learning and then if you if you really ask me uh, who do you look up to uh, i think uh, for example the folks at a16z uh, mm. uh, you know ben for example who wrote some masterpieces uh, uh, elad gill uh, that has mm. really written nice stuff or let's just say a novel who is a thought leader of uh, uh, himself you try to read and follow and listen to them as well so i think it's not just one person but a collection of people that i really really look up to awesome what's your favorite saas app uh i really do like slack a lot <laughs> we okay. use this at the organization <laughs> i've seen yep. their uh, you know early versions and then uh, what we use today i also like discord a lot uh, uh, discord also is a uh, quite a quite a good product uh, i am a subscriber of uh, procreate on ipad mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is a you know, digital illustration and graphics tool yep. i love that tool as well it's really nice that so i do some, some drawings as well yeah, yeah i do some digital illustration whenever i get time wow i would love to like see the angra sneak peek there okay <laughs> how many hours of sleep do you get every night rahul i do sleep well uh I don't compromise there, but uh, my body clock, uh, uh, you know, at least warrants six hours of sleep, and I mm-hmm. end up getting six to seven hours of sleep uh, uh, on most nights. Some nights, obviously, uh, you know, keep you awake. <laughs> Got it. And what's your favorite gadget? Favorite gadget. Uh, it is my favorite gadget that I don't spend too much time on. Uh, it mm-hmm. is my PlayStation Five. PlayStation fine nice awesome so i think we're almost done with the podcast and i have one last question um uh, from the whole podcast which is what's something that you wish you knew when you were 20 this is something i ask everybody on the show what's something that you wish you knew when you were 20 that's a really interesting question i can tell you uh i have done a lot of things in life uh, you know like <laughs> Uh, the ideal way i have had a good balance between having fun and being good at good at academics and studies and all that mm-hmm. i would say i have had a really ba- i'm lucky to have really a 
balanced upbringing as well but if you ask me uh, one thing that i would actually really like for my 20 year old self to be mm-hmm. aware of is how money works that mm-hmm. i think is something that if uh, if my 20 year old self would know a little better that would have really been a different uh, uh, you know trajectory or at least much more evolved uh, on the same trajectory the way it has been for example when i read this book uh, called psychology of money it just blew me away it was a really different outlook altogether on what money means if i would have let's just say read that money at a 20 year old uh, uh, you know age i would be treating money quite differently so i think that would be my one thing but apart from that also i think uh, the other thing i would like to say is uh i have come to understand and appreciate on accounts of the pandemic and on accounts of uh, uh, working with the smb segment that uh, there are two things that both of these things the pandemic and the smb segment made me realize very deeply the first was uh, you know a sense of gratitude and the second was a sense of humility these two characteristics i think the pandemic and the smb sector has taught me well because you know uh, when you look at all of the stuff that was going wrong all across only a sense of gratitude actually gives you any bit of uh, you know a uh, uh, peace or any bit of uh, pacifying impact because at least you have something to be thankful for and the second was that uh, uh, you know you may be a tech hotshot you may be able to write really beautiful lines of code and design delightful experiences but hmm. you must really appreciate that the smartest lot of entrepreneurs out there are these smb owners nobody knows jugaad better than them nobody knows the pulse of the market and the business better than them nobody has a better grasp of the customer compared to a typical smb owner that you experience so those true. are those things that you can really learn from them even though you are an entrepreneur or a founder or a ceo those are things that you hmm. can really, really learn from these set of smart entrepreneurs that's out there so i think uh the value of gratitude and humility is also something that uh, you know my 12 20 year old self would really benefit hmm. from had it been communicated earlier wow amazing so really nice to have like spoken to you and i think my greatest learning from this whole podcast has been that um i think on one one moment in the whole podcast caught my attention is that you all moved from mumbai to bangalore is very ambiguous and i was just wondering how did you actually retain your whole you know 85% of your workforce if i got that number right and um and with the ambiguity even still having that that ray of clarity and and holding on to that and then building on that and then being able to validate that i mean that's a brilliant brilliant uh you know journey in itself like i mean if you really look at it and that, that actually caught my attention because even though we didn't discuss that much um it really caught my attention because it just shows um different you know sets of qualities that that gets displayed there and one is you know having the sense of resilience um you know and the other other is is having team cohesiveness i mean a lot of different things right it just shows what kind of like founders you are so um brilliant brilliant stuff yeah so thank you so much yes yes uh, rahul you know, one thing just one thing to add to that uh, uh retention of the team um there are people in the team who are, who have already celebrated 4 years are going to celebrate 5 years with us who have been with coinex and the flowbiz journey as well have seen all ups and downs there are n number of stories where people have taken an exit and joined us back 
so for example even with the 15% that could not relocate some of us jo- some of them joined us back uh, after mm. it was possible for them so that has wow. also happened and you know the the simple reason that i think this has been the case is because we have overly communicated to the team that had it been in the capacity of four people to build a large business a team would not be required it is mm. simple and very obvious that we are not experts at everything and we don't have the time to do everything also even if we could learn so the team is the only actual true asset of the business that can create every other asset so hmm. if we can stick together and we are at least transparent and uh, uh, you know uh, we can trust each other with the best and the worst then i think uh, uh, you know we will never have any kind of divergences and one of those things that we follow here is you know a very first principle type decision making approach at flowbase we have done that at coinex as well is to always think company first so whether an intern is suggesting an idea versus an idea that has been suggested by one of the founders if what the intern is suggesting is better as an out as a as a you know input for a decision making that is best interest of the company that will have precedence over whatever the founder also says that just automatically mm. takes away all biases from equations so you just totally operate in a high performance environment Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, your journey with us and it was it was really nice to, you know, have uh, got to know you through this whole interaction. So, looking forward to staying in touch Rahul. Thank you so much for your time and we'll stay in touch. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and uh, you know, next time you're in Bangalore, let's definitely catch up. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Thanks. Okay. Bye. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning into the SaaS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 75% of your projected revenue as upfront capital and all within just 3 days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the show.